Hello, everyone. Welcome into this episode of Jake's Takes. We will get to Jake Crane of Crane and Company and the Daily Wire, the new star of Lady Ballers that we'll have to talk about here in just a little bit. So we got that as well. Uh, does a great job with uh, college football and, and also all the other sports, but now uh, dabbling into the acting world. So we'll get into that in just a minute. But guys, as always, we have to tell you about our partner uh, for not only this show, but the network here. Um, we're partnering with the Believe Network, and through that, we are working with betonline.ag. The holiday season is off and rolling with NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL, which who knows when those seasons even start and stop anymore. That's just crazy. Uh, they're in midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports waiting wagering info with up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, predictions. BetOnline is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports, which, again, what's the difference these days? And now just the big four. It's not just the big four. BetOnline has information available on everything right at your fingertips, desktop or mobile access for anything, MMA, international soccer, whatever you want. Head to betonline.ag today and remember to use your promo code Believe that's B L E A V for your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Deposit bet online where the game starts. And now we are going to get started with our man Jake Crane. Jake, how's it going, brother? Going good, man. Been a crazy week to be honest with you. It's been a week unlike any other uh, in a good way. But I mean, hell, what what a great slate of college football we got coming up uh, starting on Friday with Oregon and Washington and. You know, even you know New Mexico State and Liberty, it's uh, it's a good situation. Yeah, I mean, it, people don't realize. Uh, I think the Auburn debacle and all that with New Mexico State really brought some attention to. That's a pretty good football team over there that they're playing, and they're going to yeah, get a chance yeah. to prove that against Liberty too. So good football all the way around, man. Without a doubt, I mean Jerry kills the guy's been doing it for a long time. He's very well respected, uh, obviously in the coaching profession. And uh, you look at the way that they, 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 that uh, New Mexico State started out the year; they actually lost to UMass, uh, and and they were able to bounce back, go nine and three, have another good year on top of a, a good year they had last season. But yeah, it's been impressive. But I'll tell you, man, Liberty's a buzzsaw right now. They're an absolute wagon. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, Chadwell has done a fantastic job over there, and he's been considered for a lot of jobs and, and things like that, but he's staying over there. But, man, it doesn't get any bigger than the SEC championship game, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But, Jake, there's some things going on around the sport that we've got to get your take on, kind of yeah. off-the-field stuff that just seems to get crazier and crazier. And then sometimes with the TV money is involved with some of these things as well, and we'll start on that point. SEC announced today that the schedule release for the 2024 season will be on December 13th. What are your thoughts on the timing of that? Could it be done better maybe to be more like the NFL and control you know, the spring a little bit more and always keep college football relevant? Or what are, what are your thoughts on all this? Well, you know, I, I don't have as much of a problem with it as, as other people do. Uh, I, you know, Anytime you you change something too much, there's going to be problems. We've seen that with NIL. We've seen that with the transfer portal. But but I don't mind this. Look, um, you know, there, there's some coaches that that would rather get it, you know, sooner. There's some guys that would rather get it later. It's, it just kind of depends on who you are and, and how you go about it. But I was always the school of, you know, I wanted to know the soonest. I wanted to know the quickest, who we played. Now, what I'm not a huge fan of, honestly, Blaine, 
is what we've seen in the past and scheduling games for 2074. Like, yeah. I don't care that you're playing Kansas State in 2042 and then they're coming back, yeah, you know, to Tuscaloosa in, in 2043. Like, I don't, I don't care about that. But this, I'm, I feel like we kind of, this has been a little bit overblown. I, I, I don't mind it. My only thing is, you know, with with the way it goes and things like that, why December thirteenth is only my question because, you know, I mean, you got the SEC championship game this weekend, and then you do have you know bowl games and stuff going on like that, and then recruiting and transfer portal is going to be going on at the same time. Would it command maybe a little bit more attention to the sport if they waited, you know, a couple months to do it? Well, or? you know, I mean, maybe if you isolated it somewhat, but I feel like with college football, it's always the next thing. It's the season yeah. that never ends. You know, we we hear, you know, Josh Pate talk about, and, and he's right, you know, that there is no off season. So you, you're always going to kind of, what are you going to put it next to the draft? You know what I'm saying? Wait yeah. till that long. Are you going to do it? Um, you know, once once we get into and, and think about it down the road, the twelve team playoff, how long is that going to take compared to to what it takes now on the calendar? So I, I don't think it's getting buried. It's so important too, Blaine. I mean, obviously, you know who you play is going to dictate how you feel going into that year. So I I, I don't mind it um, uh, as much as as even as waiting. I, I would actually rather get it quicker. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I think the teams themselves could definitely know. You know, but then that would get leaked out anyway. So, you know, there's no secrets in, in college football uh, anymore. People leak stuff all the time. No. So, and Internet speaking of that, yeah, I mean, speaking of craziness and speaking of, you know, changes in college football, the transfer portal, man, it just seems like every year it gets ramped up to another level. You got Matt Rule going out here saying, hey, it takes one to two million to get a good quarterback. Riley Leonard hits the portal, and two minutes later, people are saying Notre Dame. But Auburn is like, "No, nah, hold on, we may, we may try to get in there on him." And Auburn's being mentioned for all of these top top quarterbacks. Now you got Bobby Petrino going to Arkansas. People going to be looking there. I mean, all kinds of stuff. What is just your take on the amount of volume that we're seeing? Brand name like big time players enter the portal now. Well. You know, Blaine, I, I think we, we've always said in the past that college football is the greatest drama on the planet. Well, it just keeps adding to it. Like, it just keeps getting more dramatic with NIL, with the transfer portal, with conference realignment, with the rule changes, with the playoff expansion. It seems like it's it, it's never it, it's growing in dramatic problems. It's not decreasing it. And typically, when something is getting near perfect, the, the drama decreases. It just shows us we're not near where, you know, we're trying to get to, whether that be good uh, or bad. My, my thing is this with the transfer portal. I know it was going to just keep getting worse and worse and worse. We've seen that in college basketball. It hasn't slowed down. My problem is when you're, you're able to transfer within the same conference from big name players to small name players, you shouldn't be able to transfer within the same conference without paying a penalty, in my opinion unless the head coach gets fired. Not the offensive coordinator, not the defensive coordinator, the head coach, or he moves on to the NFL or another job or something like that. The freedom to be able to go from Alabama to LSU without anything happening to the head coach, to me, creates a humongous problem. It's one thing to go from LSU to Utah. Got a problem with that, man. If you want to go from, from North Carolina to Florida, I've got no problem with it. But... Being able to transfer within the same conference, KJ Jefferson being able to go from Arkansas to South Carolina without any sort of penalty or anything like that, 
I, that's the only thing that really doesn't sit right with me. It's weird seeing these big time guys leave. You know, we had seen it in the past with with fifth year guys, with six year guys. You know, the grad transfer, and it's just it's turned into uh, and a you know one of those rotating doors in front of the mall, in front of Gimbals or something that Buddy the Elf walked through. Uh, and it, it's it is worrisome because it feels like if you're a, how do you build culture? How do I build yeah. culture when I have a roster of 125 guys and I'm losing them uh, at an increased rate? Not just guys, seniors that are leaving, not just guys that are getting drafted that, that are younger that are leaving. Now, the sudden, the amount of quarterbacks that are in the portal right now, yeah. it is absolutely insane. And I don't see it slowing down, Blaine. I, I don't see it slowing down. And I just don't know how sustainable that is in terms of these teams. And I think we, we've all said, hey, at some point, the market – with this NIL stuff's going to correct itself and things like that. But it seems like there's just more and more money being available out there to these guys, at least from what you yeah. hear on reports and things like that. So I guess my, my, uh, you know, question about that is, okay. I've been a lot of talk about, Hey, this is basically unrestricted free agency every year. It like is. Everybody on your team is available. So, I know there's a sticky situation when it comes to contracts and employee status and, and uh, amateurism and all this kind of stuff. But do you think ultimately some kind of binding contract between school or not, if they, if they don't put it with the football program, they put it with the collective of that, of that school is going to be necessary in order to just prevent Wild Wild West every single year? Well, I, I think when you're looking at NIL, it's so much different when you're looking at the transfer portal as opposed to high school, right? Yeah. It, it's because you're getting a proven commodity. I know what Cam Ward can do. Yeah. Like if I'm paying, I am paying Cam Ward for his services because I know what he can do. I don't know what this five star freshman quarterback is going to do in college. It's like the NFL. Some GMs would rather go out and get a bunch of free agents that they know how they're going to play or have a good idea of what they can do and what they can't do as opposed to just take a bunch of young guys that you're projecting to be good and hope they develop well, right? It, it's more of a known science to take the proven commodity than it is to take the, the projection or the kid out of high school. Now, the problem with that is in this sport, with this type of roster format, you cannot sustain winning or build culture if you're having to rotate all these players in and out all the time and you're not getting high school players. You have to be able to develop guys. You can't, but there's so much communication. That's why it's the ultimate team sport. You can't just get a bunch of different guys, throw them together at once, and think you're going to go win a championship. Colorado kind of tricked people into thinking maybe you could do that first three or four <laughs> games of the year, and we saw how that story ended. The same way that Little Red Riding Hood and Hansel and Gretel did. But when when I look at, at binding contracts, here's what I think. Because if we're going to talk about the transfer portal, obviously NIL, I just mentioned, is a huge part of it. If I'm a school, I think I, I think at some point in that NIL contract, it says, hey, you want to come to, I'm using this as an example, Mississippi State, and we'll, we'll you know reach in our collective, and John Deere gave us this amount of money, whatever, whatever, you can do commercials for John Deere. But in that contract, you have to stay at least three years. And if yeah. you leave before that, you have to repay what you were given in this NIL deal. Because I'll say what I said when the NIL stuff got legalized, and I am totally fine for people making a name off their uh, uh, making money off their name, image, and likeness. Hell, I'd do it. I just did it in a movie. Like I'm, uh, I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't believe that. But, but having said that, you wanted in the business as a player. You're in the business now, and yeah. you have to put 
your ass on the line, right? Yeah. In these contracts, you wanted the money, you wanted part of the business. There's there's different parts of it, and this is the part where there is now accountability. That's why that's why Blaine and I understand why coaches sit here and say, "Man, I, you know, if you're bashing the players, that's wrong." You have to say that as a coach. What are you going to do? Go out there and be like, "Oh man, yeah, you're right, man. The players suck." Right? They'll never listen to you again. You have to say that. But but the people and there's even some in sports media that are like, oh, you know, it's wrong to sit here and, and criticize this, this 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old. Hell, you can play in college for 30 years now. I mean, these yeah. guys are – and not, I'm not talking about BYU. I'm not talking about you're coming yeah. back from a mission. Uh, but, but you know, we treat these these guys like, hey, you want in the business, you want money, but we're still going to treat you like a kid, 20-year-old, 21-year-old, 22-year-old. And then we wonder why, you know, half, half the people are, don't, don't want to go work and do things like that. There's no accountability. So – I don't know. That's what drives me drives me the up the wall the most is that you kind of let the players get away with what they wanted to, and that's fine. We need to take care of the players, but they need to learn the other side of that business because it's not going to help them when they go out in the real world uh, when most of them don't make the NFL. Yeah, and it would almost be like a situation where you'd think, okay, well, if one if you're going to get a, a player from somewhere else, you basically got to buy out that contract almost type deal. That you that's know, exactly right. But you said it best. It's unrestricted free agency. Every year. I mean, that's really and that's what it why is. they don't do that in the NFL. That's why they have contracts, because you cannot manage a organization when you don't know from year to year who is going to be lining it's a up. For you. It's basically a fantasy draft where you're paying for your players. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Wow. So it's a it's it's interesting. It's crazy. But what is also going to be crazy is uh the SEC championship game. The last one on CBS at 4 o'clock because the Big Ten is now coming to CBS. SEC's going to ABC, all that good stuff. And, you know, that has its ramifications in the college football playoff as well. But we don't have time to get into that, Jake, with the TV money and the, and the network uh, alliances. But I do want to get into this game between Georgia and Alabama. 29-game win streak. Uh, coming into this one for Georgia. Must be nice, Alabama. man. But must must be nice. That's awesome. 29. Alabama, huh? Alabama has never lost in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Something's got to give this weekend, Jake. Um, you know, it's just two really good football teams. It's the end of an era with the East and the West side of things doing the last time in the mm -hmm. SEC championship game and two Titanic programs. What are your thoughts on this one, Jake? Man, I hate picking this game. I feel like we get this game pretty much every year here lately in the SEC Championship. I know LSU was was in it against Georgia last year. You know, what, what I find fascinating, Blaine, about this matchup, and it always starts up front, right? Whenever you're looking at a game, you're breaking down who you think is going to win. You look who has the advantage up front. You can kind of build it out from there. I think I think Alabama ha obviously has the advantage of a mobile quarterback, right? Jalen Milroe, I, I said on the show uh, if if Alabama and Georgia's offenses were both actors, Georgia's would be a a method actor. Daniel Day Lewis never break. This is me. I'm never breaking character. On set, off set, on screen, off screen. I'm never breaking character. This is our identity. We're not going to improvise a lot. It's not going to be Carson Beck out there drawing it up in the dirt as the play's going on. Uh, but then you look at Alabama and a lot of their explosives are on broken down plays, right? Or plays where Milrose extended it. The receivers have found space. Uh, so I think his his ability to be able to improvise will catch Georgia a couple times. 
But when I look at the run game and you see that Jason McClellan now, that there's a chance that that he's not going to play for Alabama uh, at running back, even though they do have you know decent backs behind him. He's he's a pretty good player. Having the quarterback run element against Georgia has given Georgia problems this year, right? Remember Peyton Thorne was able to hit him a couple times. Brady Cook was able to, to do some things on the ground when they needed to because it stretches you laterally, not just vertically. When Georgia's played the vertical run teams, you know, Kentucky, they bashed them, right? Because Kentucky had no threat to run at quarterback. You took away a variable. Uh, Alabama has that extra variable. And I think they're going to use it. I think you're going to see more quarterback design runs, not just RPOs, not just him keeping the ball on his own read or him keeping a ball on a true RPO and taking off. Q power, right? Yeah. I think you, you, you're you going to get quarterback counter, right? Not just quarterback draw, things like that. Because there's no point in trying to save anybody now. If Alabama loses this one, you're out. So can Georgia contain Jalen Monroe? I think it starts by stopping their base run game with the running back. You shut him down. It's just like stopping the triple option. Stop the dive first. You stop the dive first, then you attack it after that. Now, when I look at the, when I look at Alabama going up against Georgia, the problem isn't that that Carson Beck is mobile. It's that Carson Beck doesn't have to be the greatest athlete with his feet because he gets the ball out of his hands and he'll throw the check down. The offensive line is incredible at Georgia. It's, he's got better protection than the president. It's, it's not even close, and they've only gotten healthier. But he also gets through his progressions. He throws the check down when he has to before you get to him, and he'll read blitz and throw into the blitz. Carson Beck does not get rushed. Carson Beck is one of the very rare breeds of quarterback that is not afraid to just nickel and dime you down the field. I had a buddy of mine, Dave Tollison, was the backup defensive end for the uh, the New York Giants behind Strahan, and he was the you know the white guy that did the karate kick after the sacks. Great guy, <laughs> great guy, really good, really good football coach as well. I asked him, I was like, "Who's the two best quarterbacks that you played against?" And he's like, "Well, my answer is obvious, but it's not for the reason that's obvious." He's like, "It's Tom Brady and Peyton Manning," and I was like, "Why?" He's like, "They would throw the check down or take the short throw that was there for 15 plays that, that down the field the whole game." They were going to make the right decision with the ball, and they didn't get greedy. Carson Beck doesn't get greedy. That's why he doesn't turn the ball over. That's why Georgia's been so efficient. He makes the right decision, but he knows when to say when. So uh, when I look at it, I think Alabama's going to hit some big plays. I feel like overall, though, Georgia's identity and their versatility through their personnel with Brock and with Ladd and who they had, Kendall Milton coming back and and obviously what they have on the outside and and you know really the whole tight end room even past Brock, I think they beat him with versatility. Uh, that number you know it's down to five. I see here it was six the last time I saw it. I like Georgia to win, uh, but I don't feel comfortable taking them minus six minus five. If it got up to seven, I would take Bama at plus seven, uh, but Georgia to win. I think it's going to be another great game. Field goal kicking. Right. Remember, at the beginning of the year, Woodring struggled a little bit, was able to figure it out. Kind of a lot different arc than the Clemson kick kicker that the young kid took. Will Reichert, you know, gave Auburn a chance last week by missing that field goal. He really hadn't hadn't been himself here lately. Could come down to that, but it's going to come down to kicking. Man, you're you're for sure happy it's in a dome. Yeah, I mean, the great surface to to kick on, but that's about the only thing I think people will. Uh, like about the surface people are not liking those turf turf fields anymore they want grass back these days uh jake but i'm intrigued by several of those matchups like you said you know georgia the contain we've talked about this before on the show you mentioned you know stopping the the interior run first well that's i think been the thing that have puzzled some georgia fans some people that are watching because they're like okay we know georgia's going to stop the run up the middle because they play you know 
a lot of times they play, you know, an, an over front and, but the, but the defensive ends are in like head up fours or tight fives, just right on the, right on that tackle. And then they don't really have force on the outside because they, they depend on that star to kind of come from depth and play contain like Taki Smith, or they depend on the safeties running the alley and with their speed, or they depend on those inside backers scraping over top and getting out there because they've had elite speed at those positions before. You've said many times they've been just a step off. Do you think adjustments come from that tight front alignment that Georgia has played all this year? Do you think they adjust their front, adjust their alignment, adjust their look a little bit in order to contain Jam Miller, Jalen Milrow, uh, Kendrick Law on some of those outside runs? Yeah, well, well, again, it's it's kind of the variables you're going up against, right? Like with Jalen Milrow, that's the problem. Like he spreads you out evenly. You can be wrong in both. If you want to play tighter, he can find a way to keep it run around the edge. If you want to try and get wide and and keep everything inside and funnel it, Bama's good enough on the offensive line. At least they have been about half the time this year. In my opinion, I think that's where they're the most vulnerable. Uh, you know, in, in between the tackles and the run game, I, I just Georgia's been able to two gap for so well for the past couple of years. And and they've been able to do it a decent amount this year, just not at the level that like Jalen Carter and them were able to. So you had guys like Nolan Smith that were running free, man. Like it was just in, incredible because the defensive line, just like Marcel Darius and, and the guys, you know, back when Alabama was eating everybody up up front, they were able to two gap everything uh, at the defensive line that could handle two gaps with one guy. I think, I don't think they've been that eff as effective this year, but I will say Blaine, like, like, Every time they've gone up against a, a gap scheme or a zone, or you don't get a lot of zone scheme teams with quarterbacks that that can't run a little bit. But even though, even if they've gone up against that, they've been fine stopping the run if that one element, the quarterback, yeah. isn't a threat, right? Be, because you can anticipate more. It it, it makes your your guessing better if that makes sense. It kind of reminds me of of when Auburn tried to run the zone read with Jared Stidham, like nobody yeah. believed that. Like it, it was nobody believed Jared was going to keep it. So uh, I think Jalen Milrose legs, like I said, not only in the RPO in the zone read game, but by design uh, are going to be a big factor. So if you're Georgia, Hey man, it, do you want to switch it and play? Uh, you know, un, it just depends on the tendencies. Do you want to go under front uh, more this, this game? Do you want to go Eagle? Do you want to go solid? I mean, do you, do you want to play even like, I think here's the thing. I think you mix it up. Like, yeah. I, I think that's what you do. It's just like in anything. You don't want to live in a world of absolutes. Uh, but you got to be able to mix it up. But the problem is when you can run it everywhere, like Alabama can, at any point in time in the same play, it spreads you out so evenly that it's not. It's obviously about alignment. you got to be gap sound. But it's also a lot about your eyes. I mean, eyes and hands, that's how you play against this team. And, and it's hard. That's why people run it. With with Caden Proctor uh, for Alabama, obviously uh, they've played a lot better as a team. They've only given up four sacks in the month of November. However, you know, albeit against defenses that haven't been playing great at this point in time, except for Auburn. Auburn's been pretty consistent defensively all year, except that New Mexico State game. <sighs> they've only they've only given up four four sacks Alabama has but they in the month of November but they've given up 39 sacks on the year and Caden Proctor has given up 10 of those. Yeah. Georgia's look, not Oh good. Good. I was going to say Georgia's not, you know, a big time hey, just get after the pat. They're more like a boa constrictor just restrict your space and stuff like that, but do you think they say hey, Michael Williams, 
future, you know, what we think is a future first round guy. Go after him. Jalen Walker, line up out there, go after him. And do you think they 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 try to test uh Proctor early and do some more do some more blitz type stuff? Yeah, I mean, just imagine how many sacks Alabama given up of Jalen Moreau had how many I guarantee you he's eluded more sacks than he's been sacked. Yeah. Uh, so uh, again, we got to remember who's back there. It's not like it's just a stone wall. Now Jalen Milrow is getting out earlier too. That's been one of the, the evolutions of this offense, you know, since they went up against LSU and they're like, Hey, we may need to score 70 points to win this game, even though our defense is good with the way LSU's offense is playing. So they caught it, started kind of tailoring the game plan and the style and the system, um, to what Jalen Milrow does best. Now it, it's one thing, and, and I got to give Ron Robertson, you know, except for the last play. Uh, Auburn's defense, a lot of credit. They have been good all year, but they, they don't have the catch Georgia has rushing the passer. Like yeah. this, you're facing, look, is this Georgia's best defense past two years? No. A lot of NFL guys on it. Like that's, you know, that we, we say that like it's it's the worst thing ever. They're top five defense in the country. You look at them athletically, they're not little and slow, right? There, there's not there's not a bunch of, there's not a bunch of, of, of small, you know, clunky guys running around out there. That's That's not what they have. So I, th- I think they'll be able to – Alabama's offensive line is going to have to play really well to be able to keep guys away from Jalen Monroe. But to me, the question for Georgia isn't can you get to Jalen Monroe. It's can you get him down when you get there. That's the biggest problem. Like it's it hasn't been getting back there. It's been getting him down. And I think Georgia has the athletes to do it more than Auburn, more than anybody. Who in the SEC has better athletes on on defense that can get Jalen uh, Monroe down? I mean, I, I I don't know the answer to that. I mean, they, there's they anybody sure that can have... do it as these cats, right? Texas did it, but that was a totally different style. Jalen Moreau was hanging out in the pocket. Jalen Moreau was trying to be Drew Brees or Dan Marino instead of being Jalen Moreau. So, yeah. you know, I don't know how much you can rely on that. Uh, looking back at that Texas game, but if there's any guys on defense that could get Jalen Moreau to the ground, man, it's got to be Georgia. Both teams, you mentioned, hey, you don't have to save people. This is kind of is do or die type here. Georgia and Alabama known for u- utilizing that depth, rotating a lot of guys, but do you feel like the snap count for some of the guys go up in this type of game? Maybe a, a Warren Brinson, a Michael Williams, those guys along Georgia's defensive front, maybe even on – on uh, Alabama's on Alabama's side on their defensive front, do you feel like those those big dudes, the ones that are the studs that are kind of that first team, they're saying, "Hey, you know, I know we've been rotating all year. This on this, you know, this schedule, do they pony up and play a little bit more? Because I mean, the only problem with that may be it may be a little bit hot in that building. You know, the the humidity. What, what's your thoughts on that? Look, man, it's a bourbon bowl. You can't hold anything back. Are you kidding? Look at the break you get if you win this one. Hell, look at the break you that, that you get if you don't win this one. You still get a long break. Uh, this yeah. is it, right? This is the ticket. And it seems like, at least in my opinion, you know, before these games are played, and, and it starts with, with Oregon and Washington on Friday, but, I mean, this is this is almost a de facto playing game to the playoff. Yeah. I mean, especially for Georgia. Let me put it this way, because I don't think it's de facto for Alabama. It's a must win for both teams, I think. To, to be honest with you, with the with the way it's looking like it's going to shake out, and we could have chaos, as I mentioned earlier. So yeah, uh, your best player's got to play for the longest in, in this one. There's no saving it for tomorrow. There's no, oh man, well you know let's sit him for a little bit and 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 rest him up for down the road. No, not in this game. Uh, and and this is the way it should be. 
right? These are the two best teams in the SEC right now, and you need the best players on the field for the longest. And load management is not a thing in this in this style of game. Not even close. And last thing before we get to some of the stuff you've got going on uh, personally, I wanted to ask you about a, a number that that came up in my research for this game. Kind of two trends that are strength on strength here in the red zone. Alabama in the month of November has the best red zone touchdown percentage in the SEC and probably in the entire world. 85% of the time they get into the red zone in November, they're scoring touchdowns. Conversely, Georgia's defense leads the SEC in red zone touchdown percentage against the likes of Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Georgia Tech, who, by the way, you go look at Georgia Tech's numbers, they're a lot better offensively than people think. They're only allowing touchdowns 38% of the time, which is by far the best in the SEC in November. What do you think about that matchup, and how does how does that come into play with, okay, Milrose legs in the in the red zone, you know, when the field gets constricted, windows, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, look, at the red zone, it's, it's always one of the major, you know, deciding factors in the game, right? Offensive coordinators don't get paid to move the ball in between the 20s. They get paid to score touchdowns when they get inside the red zone. And it's, it is harder on the offense because the field does shrink, right? You you know how far the receivers can go. that You're not able to run stuff too far down the field or you're out of bounds. Now, how do you defeat you know a, a disadvantage uh, when the field shrinks? Well, you have multiple guys that can do multiple things. Well, there's where Jalen Milrose's legs come in, right? Yeah. You talk about the RPO game. You're not They're not able to go down there and say, listen, the field's shrinking and we know y'all are going to run the ball. Right, not only that, we know where you're going to run it. We know who's going to run it. With Jalen Milrow, you can't do that. With the RPO game, you can't do that. But it's the extending the play with Jalen Milrow outside of the pocket, to me, that's been the difference. And yeah. that helps when the field shrinks, when you're able to work laterally and guys can come back to the ball. You're able to steal touchdowns that way. Now, when it comes down to Georgia on defense, it's exactly what I said. The field shrinks. It's easier for the defense. So I'm not shocked to see that one of the best defenses in the country uh, is better when the field shrinks. So it's that that's going to be one of the biggest matchups. And you look at that, look at turnovers. You know, you look at field position, penalties. The, those are the that part of the winning recipe, not only in one game but over time. Just different points where you have to be successful. And and I I think Georgia's number one in the the world, the universe, the solar system on third down too, yeah, on offense, yeah, really good, and fourth yeah, down. But- Man, what a great situation. But you know what? You know the funny part is? You're probably going to be number one on fourth down conversion percentage when you're number one on third down percentage, right? Yeah, you're just having to go really for it small. last. You hit a couple of them. It's a great situation really to be in, Blaine. High-class yeah, problem. And a high-class problem you guys have. Uh, the engagement Dude. over there on the Daily Wire and Crane and & Company with Lady Ballers is coming out, the project that you guys have been a part of. Tell everybody – as we release this on Friday, it debuts yeah. tonight. Uh, yes. So people can see it. Tell them, tell them about the project. Yeah. Uh, first off, just why, just wild. Uh, it's 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 a comedy. Uh, the Daily Wire put it on. It was it was a lot of fun to make. We're you know, in, me and my brother and David Cohn, you know, obviously do Crane and Cohn the sports show. We're in it as as part of the basketball team. Uh, it's basically look, and and I would I would pretty much think that most people that are watching this agree. You know, men should play in women's sports, right? Can we just, like, honestly, like, I, I work for the Daily Wire, but I don't care who you voted for. Like, I don't care 
what who, if you're a Democrat, Republican, Tea Party, Green Party, are you trying to vote for the Globetrotters every time you go to the booth? I don't care. But men shouldn't play in women's sports. So we made a movie on what would happen if a bunch of dudes just decided to play in women's sports because they weren't too old, not good enough to play men's sports anymore. And, well, you're going to have to see the rest. You can uh, see it tonight. It debuts, Daily Wire Plus, uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. It's got like 2,000 comedy vibes, you know, dodgeball, stuff like that. It's a movie that hadn't been made in a while, and, and it's a lot of fun, and, and I think it's a really good message in there, too. Yeah, and it's always fun uh, chopping it up with you, man. Yeah, we've man. Hit the, we've hit the end of the SEC season here with this championship game. We'll have the the playoff uh, the playoff run to look forward to. We'll, we'll hit that up when it comes to playoff time. But another great episode of Jake's Takes. Make sure to follow him using at Jake Crane underscore at Crane Company on X. You can follow me using at BGilmer18. Like, subscribe, turn on notifications. Remember, we're presented by Bet Online. And we will catch you guys next time to talk more SEC football on your home for daily SEC sports coverage, Southeastern 14.